0: Welcome in, GPS to God. Glad you are back with us. We have a good one today. Things are a little scrambled in the room. I've never sat on this side of the table before. How's it feel? Uh, It's going to take a little, you know, adjustment. I I think we'll be able to power through. I I feel okay. It's
1: like when somebody takes your pew on Sunday morning. (laughs) Yeah. Like you just can't worship from a different perspective.
0: Fights are are started. I know. Where I I sit in church or where someone's in, not me. Sure. But yes. We won't talk about that today, but uh, <laughs> glad you all you all are here with us again. Reach out to us, mailroom at gps2guide.com. Reach us on Instagram, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. But we're glad you're here. Daniel Sanders, Jennifer Cuffman, Stefano Patterson, and we have a very special guest, Miss Lindy Cunningham, <laughs> with us today. We're very glad that you are here.
2: Thank you for asking me.
0: Oh, We, we are very blessed that you're here. We're going to get into her story and some of her life and Things that has gone on with her and continues to, and I mean, why not just do it right now? What are we waiting for? Jump right in. Do man. it. Jump right in. So, Lindy, let, let's start with the easy question. Where Where are you from? Where did you grow up?
2: Okay, uh, Parkway was my church home growing up. Um, we moved to Nashville when I was nine, I think, and started going to Parkway. So, um, where'd you move from? Georgia. Georgia. My brother. And I were born in Georgia. Our parents are from here, though. They're from Nashville. So we came back, and uh, they they were excited to come home and be with their families and watch us grow up with our cousins. And uh, we started attending church here uh, with—had some family that went to church here and some cousins and stuff, so we had immediate friends, and that was great. So grew up in Goodlettsville, Tennessee. Wouldn't have had it any other way. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Love it. Uh, Did— Lori go to school? Did you go to school with Lori, Stefano's wife? Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. I've known
2: Stefano probably since about that time I moved because he was already buddies with my cousin Greg and grew up watching them play basketball. And um, Lori, his wife, um, and I were in the same grade. And uh, we grew up big buddies through church and school and just saw her in the parking lot a little while ago and just (laughs) love her to death. She's She's such a wonderful, wonderful person, so.
0: Now we were talking about drinking water before we started recording... Lori is the one that doesn't like to watch people drink water on the podcast. She's pot. not. Yeah. She's not. Yeah. know. Well, she, she doesn't not. have
1: to. She didn't have to see it today.
0: Well, we're, we're going <laughs> to well, let she watch. She could listen. It.
1: She could always just listen.
0: She could.
3: She doesn't like just listening. I know. I th- don't th- either. She gets thrown off. I don't she just either. Listens. I want to watch. Yeah. I want to
0: watch. But don't don't let that stop you, Lori. We we. I'm going to drink some water. You're going to tell me her, too, my like, mouth will get too dry. I she
3: actually did when she maybe not. No, the last
0: time she was on, she did, and I don't know if she knows it or not, but the camera cut she was sitting where you are uh, and the camera uh, it's when Jason and Dana were here right the camera cut to Jason and Dana but Lori she like leaned <laughs> towards where Jennifer <laughs> is to take a drink so it's like that's, she came straight into frame just to take a drink nice <laughs> nice
3: <laughs> yeah. good
0: you you move to Nashville the greater Nashville area go to school graduate with cool people like Lori Patterson
2: and yep. went went to church and Graduated same classes as cool people like Jennifer Coughlin
1: too. We did. So we grew, grew up, up in the youth, youth group Sunday Sunday together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. We were this talking is about just that. a big reunion. I know. We it's a family were. reunion. We were talking about being in Rick Barkley's Sunday school class. Yeah. Our senior year. <laughs> Some epic... Nice. Stuff went down.
0: Yeah. Sure.
1: Never a dull yeah. moment.
0: Rick Barkley was on this podcast back in the it early was. days before we were this sophisticated. And yes, and he yeah.
1: spit water on the floor. He in this episode. Spit that
0: water he on the floor. But he spit water. That he did. We were talking also about all the electrical cords and stuff in the room that you cannot see on camera. He spit it straight to that he did. those cords yeah. and oh. like a power strip. Yes. Uh, there's okay. nothing yes, you could
2: say about him that would surprise me. I, I believe it all. I've seen it all, and I believe it all. Yeah.
0: Yes. The, the the spitting water is on camera. You can go yes. back and watch it. But yes. where it lands, you cannot see, but yes. I held my breath for a couple of seconds. <laughs> but so you all these cool people, I was not part of that club, I, you know, but that, that's all right. We won't let my feelings get in the way. You go on, you grow up, you're you're out of high school, mm-hmm. going to do big girl stuff. What where, yeah. where do you go to school? What do you do after you graduate?
2: After Graduated high school, went on to college and uh, had a great experience doing that. And um, honestly, like when I tell my story, I I do tell people, for the most part, you know, I had a pretty normal, good, charmed life in a lot of ways and um, ended up marrying somebody I'd gone to high school with, was really more good friends with in high school and just started dating at the very end and um, somebody that I just was crazy about you know and so that really worked out in a wonderful way a tremendous blessing um finished up school worked as a school psychologist in Sumner County for about six years somewhere in the middle of that we decided we wanted to try to have a baby and I would say that was probably like the first time I came up against something that was like you put in the work like you're doing what the doctors say like you're going through all the stuff and it's just not happening, like, and you just go through years of that. And that was really hard, you know. Um, I think a lot more people deal with fertility stuff than, I think people probably talk about it more now than at that time when I was going through it. And Definitely, um, I feel like probably back in our parents' time, like, people didn't really talk about it hardly at all. Right. So And um,
0: medical... Uh, technology and sophistication is different mm. today right. than our parents, so they right. may not have known a cause is right it, yeah, is I, it the mom is it the dad I, is it the I wondered if it
2: might take me a while because it took my mom I think she said two years to have me a year to have my brother um so I kind of anticipated, but it took it took even longer than that, so you know you get to that place where you're just you're doing all the things that you're instructed to do you're it's probably the first time I came up against something where I was like, I can't control this. Like, I'm doing everything I can, and it's just different method, different method. Like, it's not working out. And so that was really, you know, that was just a lot to wrap my head around. Um, and it was humbling and probably a way I can appreciate now that I didn't at that time. But it did bring me to the place where I did have to let go of it and just say, you know, I'm just going to accept whatever, you know, God has in store for my life and just trust that it's going to work out the way that he wants it to. And my husband was super gracious through the whole thing and just really made me feel very comforted, you know, kind of like in the Bible with like, um, Hannah and her husband, Elkanah, and my brother wrote a really beautiful poem about that one point, um, when he used to write all the poetry, he needs to get back to write more poetry. He's really talented at it, but um, anyway, just that kind of unconditional love of, you're the person I love, whether or not you can give me a child is not, have, it doesn't have anything to do with how much I love you, you know? Mm-hmm. So when we found out that we were going to have a baby, it was just like this <laughs> incredible thing, you know, um, after through about three years of trying.
0: Three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how, how old were you about?
2: I was 29 when I finally got pregnant. So. Okay. Um that was just incredible. And uh then we had our firstborn, Baron, and um he was just such a, a joy, you know, and just a I think it's just such a precious thing to get to have a child with somebody that you love so much and get to see a physical manifestation of your love for that person and see what they look like and that combination of personality and traits and all those things and see God's goodness and um his provision and an answered prayer that you get to celebrate every day. So I would say, like, that all kind of builds up to the point where six months later we go on a ski trip to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and on that ski trip I had a terrible accident and um, broke my neck. And uh, I think when I look back on it now, it's like that was kind of, The pinnacle of my life at that point where everything was going so good, you know, and then it just got stripped away. And uh, it was just really hard. It's hard to process now. At the time, it was uh, I don't know, just sorrow is the only way I can describe it.
0: So, like you said, kind of the pinnacle of your life, age-wise, you know, 30 years old, you're got a little wisdom under you. You're not a kid anymore. I think, you know, that's kind of maybe when you feel like you're not a kid anymore, you know? I mean, look at the time when you're 18, you don't think you're a kid, but when we all look back now yeah, at our 18 year old tells you, I was, I was a baby almost, but but, you know, you're right around 30 years old. The pinnacle, you Mm -hmm. work is, is kind of settled in. You're you're starting a family, gone through all that. And you're like, I'm on top of the world. Right. I mean, you go through. And then to have tragedy strike.
2: You've uh, you've got some career experience under your belt. You find something you enjoy doing. You feel like you're kind of like gotten a good role with that. Mm -hmm. I did take a little time away to have this baby, you know, so I was excited about that. You're starting a family with somebody that you, you know, are in love with and you're happy to build that life together. And then everything just like changes in an instant. And then you're in the hospital and you just don't know what's going to happen.
0: Right. And you've mentioned Mark, your brother by name. Mark was on the podcast, him and Giselle Mm -hmm. two part. They had a two part episode, but told their story. So you can go back and you can see her brother on the podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, he was at that, at the time of your accident, he was on the other side of the world. He was was in the army at the time. And he was actually in Afghanistan deployed to Afghanistan at that time. And I'm, I think it comes across just in these brief few moments of how close your family is. Mm-hmm. So, you're you're out of state on a vacation, right. away from your parents. Your brother's gone out of the country, and that just kind of adds another layer of stress and it everything was to the situation.
2: Very stressful. I mean, it was we were out there with some friends. My luckily, my uh, mother-in-law and um, her husband were out there with us, and we had decided to bring our son, who was almost seven months old. So. You know, you're up there on a mountain having a normal day skiing, and then you have this accident, hit a sign, went down this hill off the side of the hill um, on a run that I not only had skied that trip, I'd skied it in years past. It was a blue. I was an experienced skier. You know, it was just one of those freak things that happened. Um, my husband was the one that came up and, and found me, and I couldn't hear anything could barely hear him talking to me it was like my body was like a tuning fork it's the only way I can describe it mm. it's like this buzzing this really loud buzzing in my ears mm. so he was there and he came and I was trying to talk to him and I couldn't even hardly understand what he was saying to me and then pretty quickly like they got some ski patrol people there and they had to put me in this like gurney kind of thing and like ski me down the mountain and I, I mean I look back now and it's just incredible they were able to Keep me still enough with my broken neck and not do further damage, you know, to get me down the mountain and everything. And but I do remember from the beginning, I will say this, even though it was scary and uh, I didn't really know what was going to happen from that. I did feel the Lord was with me always. And when they got there um, and after a couple of minutes, I got where I could hear a little bit better. And I asked them if I could pray with them. And so we prayed on the mountain together, and then they got me down there, and they got me in the little um, – they like these little hospitals at the bottom of the ski resorts, you know, so I was in there. They had to get a helicopter to helicopter me to a place in Idaho, which is right across – Jackson Hole's, kind of like towards the edge of Wyoming, and on the other side of Idaho is like this really good hospital that gets a lot of, I think, ski accidents and different oh. things. So they sent me there, and then that night um, – they went in and did surgery to repair my neck. But it was it was a really uh, – it was a scary thing because it all happened really fast and you're sitting there talking to this neurosurgeon and, and he's like, I've done this a lot of times. I'm very confident, you know, that this is all going to go well. But I have to tell you, like, there is always risk. And there is a chance with, like, the severity of this injury and the nature of the surgery, like, you could die in surgery. And so mm. – that's just a lot, you yeah. know, mm. to think about.
0: So it, I mean, in the blink of an eye, really, from yeah. top of the world, everything's going great. You get to up having
2: a normal day, and that's the end
3: of your day. Yeah, yeah.
2: so
0: how long were you in Idaho?
2: Um, I was in the ICU for eleven days, okay, and then I took a airplane ambulance, which is Whoa, that's a tiny airplane Um, (laughs) (laughs) to the Shepherd Center Mm. in Atlanta. I was Mm. there for four and a half months.
0: Did your parents come to meet you in Idaho? Yes.
2: Yes. It was a lot of family coordinating stuff. Anytime something like that happens, we had to, they worked hard to get Mark back. He was in Afghanistan. He got back. He was there six days after my injury. He got back, Mm. which was really fast. Wow. Wow honestly super fast and my parents flew out they were there they got there the next day i think um but it was tough you know that night i had to my husband I had to sit down and have a little talk before when that surgery about you just have to say some things you know Mm -hmm. but uh, even then it was hard but i felt like it was gonna be okay i didn't feel like it was gonna be goodbye and it wasn't so
0: um well i thought it was super powerful in the in the very middle of, you know, the accident, just minutes old, your, your focus was on God, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And, I mean, you were helpless in that moment, and that's when sometimes it's easiest to turn to God. But a lot of times when we're in the middle of a fight like that in that situation, we're trying to get through the situation, get to yeah. a quiet moment, and then it's like, oh, let me pray to God. But you were... Uh-huh focused on the right thing the whole time. And he mm-hmm. had p- his peace over you. Like he, he did.
2: Said. Yeah. And I honestly didn't know what else to do, you know, because in that moment, I think sometimes we need to remember, we need to invite him into our mess. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. He's always with us, but, right. yeah. you know, we need to ask for the help that we need and, and give, not try to do it ourselves.
0: Give that over to him because yeah. right. we start
2: can't do from, it ourselves. Start yeah. from that place. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, For those just listening and not watching on the YouTube channel, Lindy is in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. so when the doctor is going through, or maybe back up before that, <coughs> when you had the accident, you hit the sign, mm-hmm. you couldn't hear, had trouble understanding. Couldn't move, Could you? Did you lose mo- movement M- in that immediately,
2: moment? Immediately, I had no movement at all.
0: Was I, that arms and legs or whole body, or, or do you well, remember? I mean,
2: it was pretty much neck down at that point. I couldn't move anything, so, you know, that was you think about, um, being a parent Mm. and how much movement (laughs) you do all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: with with a seven month old, right.
2: And, um, I look back on it now and there's no good time for anything like that to happen, you know, Mm. but I am thankful. Like my son, he doesn't even remember it. You know, he was seven months old. He's always known me in my wheelchair. And so that's normal to him. And, uh, he uh, he learned to climb up in the chair, climb over the side of the chair. I mean, my 18-month-old, two days ago, starts climbing up, up the side of my chair, over the side. I'm like, okay, this we're doing this now. This is a thing. <laughs> and um, they find a way. Yeah. You know, they find a way. And so there's no good time for bad things to happen. But I think you just got to keep problem solving, you know? Right. And the kids are definitely going to do it on their own anyway, so... Um, we just, that was a lot of my early therapy focused around my son and, uh, I had wonderful therapists at the shepherd center, just literally just like God sent people who came in and said, all right, what are your goals going to be? What do you want to work on? And I think they could tell I was desperate to connect with him, you know, um, and get back to a place where I felt like I could take care of him. And so we did, uh, you know, therapy sessions on giving him a bottle or like, trying to feed him with a spoon and you know slowly from the time in the ICU through the time in shepherd stuff started to come back we were in there working hard in the therapy gym and uh it's it's not fun days it's awful but they made it good because they were the people there they're really invested it's actually a privately um started and owned a hospital but because of that you know, it's, it also has a lot of religious basis in it and they have a chaplain that's there and they have, um, you have to go to therapy twice a week. They have psychologists there and you have to talk about stuff, you know, which is great. Um, it was started by a family that had a son that went through it and they couldn't find a specialized place for him to go. So they started their own hospital.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, at the time I was there, he was coming back and he would still visit with the people there. He would come and go in the therapy gym oh. and encourage people and he actually had learned to walk again. So that was incredible just to see that for him.
3: Wow.
2: Um, but uh, it was a really, it was just a really good environment to be in when you're in a really dark place in your life. Um, and they would just find ways to encourage you. And they let, they let me like my room, my hospital room looked like a college dorm room. <laughs> First of all, let me just say this Parkway Baptist. They had overheld a rally here at the church um, for me after my accident. And they made all these signs scripture and just we believe in lindy and all these amazing things and those were on my wall
0: you're there for four months or is that about four months what is it like for your family are they there with you or like you know you, your was therapy tough. was focused on your son giving him bottles and stuff mm-hmm. but uh I mean, is your husband husband traveling down to stay with you? Is he there the whole time? He was that's able about... to stay.
2: Yeah, he was able to stay. He had a really incredible boss, um, Steve Brewster, that basically was just super gracious to him and said, I know you need to stay with her. Stay. Wow. And just wow. do. Luckily with my husband's job, he can do a lot of it from his phone and from his computer. And he said, stay down there. Do not feel pressure to come back. You come back when she comes back. And uh, he just said, just do what you can when you can and don't worry about the rest. You know, and there were days he could get work done and there were days like he really couldn't because he was with me in the therapy gym. He at the same time was trying to learn what my injury was about, how to help me, how to help me transfer, what kind of things I was gonna need. Also splitting time with checking on our son, Baron. Chad's mom stayed down in Atlanta with us. Um, They got a little apartment and it was right across the street from the hospital. Hmm. So every day, um, Baron would come see me in the morning. And then usually at the end of the day, he would come see me. It was a hard adjustment for me because I was used to just being with him all the time.
0: Mm. Right.
2: Yeah. But I was in therapy all day, just like trying to figure out how to get a fork in my mouth without stabbing myself in the neck. Like yeah. it's just the craziest stuff. Stuff I can do now, like no problem. But everything was work, yeah. you know. But that's why I went there. You know, I went to try to learn how to do life again. And uh, it's just a lot of problem solving. And so those windows that I got to see Baron were huge. The windows I got to be with Baron and Chad, my husband, together were just big moments for me and things to push forward and think about. And my son, even though we worked so hard to get him, even though that was sorrowful, it also gave me a lot of joy to be with him and it was the best motivator because with kids you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself it's all about doing it for them because you don't want them to have a sad life you know
0: right well like you said that was his normal he didn't know anything like this is normal life with Mm -hmm. this process we go through every day with mom and like yeah. that. that's what, what else are we supposed to do? This is it. Mm. But I want to back up just a little bit, going sure. back to the hospital in Ohio, Idaho, rather. Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, when the doctor's going through all this stuff with you, what is he saying about you regaining feeling or <laughs> movement or mm-hmm. stuff? He, of course he, you know, mm-hmm. possibility through the surgery, you could die, but right. which is pretty big, but as, on the good, the more positive side of it is he giving you, odds for movement or is he saying it's a wait and see kind of thing what what is he telling you
2: first of all I want to say his name is Dr. Greenwald he was amazing he was also very serious about his job and he was very honest so you know the day after the surgery came in and he said you know you're going to have very serious disability you know and um he was uh he was pretty stoic I would say I think he just wanted us to understand, like, the gravity of the situation. But after spending some time with him, we were like, we're going to work on this guy. So <laughs> we, we, got, we went to work on him, and we started to get to know him a little bit. And turns out, you know, he was from Louisville. He was a big, you know, football fan up there. And my sister-in-law grew up and played softball for Louisville in college. And we kind of got him warmed up a little bit And um, where he, you know, I think he could see, like, we weren't really accepting that, you know? Mm. And so, anyway, my goal is one day, if I can learn to walk again, I'm going to roll up in there in this wheelchair, and he's going to think, okay, well... And then I'm gonna do like the Willy Wonka forward roll <laughs> and pop up and stand up. <laughs> That's my goal to get to that place. I but, hope you um, do, and I want to be there like, to yes. record it. But Make honestly, sure somebody gets that on I video. I think he'd be proud anyway now to, if he knew the things that we've been able to do and the um, the regain, you know, the the skills that have been regained. Because um, I think he was worried about, you know, you're a young active person. You know, you've used to doing what you want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. Fano knows he's a he's a ball player and <laughs> loves basketball. At the time that uh, I had my accident, I was playing in a men's rec league with my husband for <laughs> basketball. In mean, a men's, not a co-ed. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm not saying I was killing it necessarily. <laughs> oh, she, but I'm sure she we, was we, killing it. we we're having a good time. Seen her you play. Know? Seen so, her play. But we uh, <laughs> we were pretty active people, you know. And so I think that's been a lot. It's just trying to try to claim back as much as you can. In your life, and you know, bad things happen to you, but you don't want and you can't let the devil take more from you than already has been taken. And you have to fight to claim back a lot of what you've lost. And um, my pastor at the church that I was going to at that time came to see me when I was in Atlanta, and we talked about that. And that's one of the stories he told me that really helped me. He talked to me about, about David and the battle, um, that had happened, um, I think it was in, um, 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 30, it talks about, uh, at Ziklag, David and his men had come back and found that all of their families and their possessions had been taken by the Malachites, and they wept, and they cried, and they didn't know what to do, because um, everything they had was gone, and that went on for three days, you know, and, um, they were angry with David. They felt like it was his fault. And they talked about stoning him. You know, it was kind of one of those, are we going to keep this guy? or Are we going to just get rid of him? But he found strength in the Lord, and he rallied them, and they came back, and they fought, and they were able to reclaim everything that they had lost. But, you know, he used that story to tell me, like, it's okay to take some time and grieve your loss, but you can't stay in that place. You have to fight, you know? You have to go back, and the, God will honor that, and he will restore things to you. But you have to you have to do your part, you know, and he'll give you the strength you need to do the things you need to do. And uh, that was exactly what I needed to hear at that time, you know, because I was grieving, and I still grieve it. I grieve it every day, but I can't live in that place because it doesn't lead to anything good.
0: But did, did they give you, uh, the doctor at the time in Idaho, what did he say as far as being able to walk or move or have any kind of mobility?
2: Well, you know, spinal cord injury, which is what I have, there's different levels of it. Um, my injury is an incomplete injury. So even though I can't walk, I can feel things. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can feel um, pressure. Like huh. like I'm touching my leg right now. I can feel myself touching my leg. Um, but I don't have as much movement, but I have feeling. Um, but they didn't say you'll, you'll never walk again. I've never had a doctor say that to me, but the chances are not great just because, um, where my spinal cord was, um, basically my, my spine fractured part of my neck fractured into my spinal cord and pierced it. Mm. So it cut that connection from the nerves, but There are people who have, and I will say through therapy that I've done in water therapy uh, at MTSU, I can walk on an underwater treadmill. Um, So, I mean, I know it's possible I can walk with a walker with leg braces on with people helping spot me because my balance is terrible. But, um, you know, it's, I think... If it, with anything medical, we need to listen to the things people tell us. But also, I don't think you also always need to take no for an answer. Yeah. You need to try the things you can. And I think I already can do a lot of things that people probably thought I wouldn't do. So um, I would love to be able to walk again. But at the same time, I don't want to get totally preoccupied by, what, by that and chasing that and miss the other things that God also wants me to focus on doing. Um, And that's another thing that the chaplain at the Shepherd Center, he shared with me one time. He said, you know, people go through things like this, and it's just very painful. But what people don't understand is, like, pain can have purpose. Pain can be a platform for Christ. Because when everything's perfect in your life, people don't really listen to you as much because you haven't been through things and people are hurting and they have been through things. But if you have been through something really tough, and even if you're still going through something really tough and you're pushing forward through it and drawing your strength from the Lord, they want to know where that strength comes from and how is it sustained. And they want to know who Christ is. And there's your platform. That's how you can use it for something good. It can mean something besides just being painful and being something that's taken from you can be something you give to somebody else to help them. So that helped me a lot too. When he told me that just to know that there could be some kind of purpose to, a, to it,
1: you know? Yeah. I am just in awe. I'm, I'm just like uh, soaking it all in. I mean, yeah. I knew your like, I knew your story. I bel- believe in Lindy was like huge, the hashtag. And I followed, you know, when Chad would give updates and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I knew like the broader story, but Sitting here, listening to you tell, you know, the details that didn't make it into the updates and like your personal experience of it and listening to you from the perspective of a mom and like just trying to put myself in that position. I mean, all of it and the, everything you are saying is pointing right back to the Lord, like everything. I'm amazed that right after your accident, you're not even like fully off the mountain yet. And you're asking them to pray with you. Like mm-hmm. that is, and I mean, just in every single thing, you're going right back to the Lord. And I'm not surprised by it because like, that's what we're called to do. And that's when we have a spirit in us, like he prompts us to go to him, but I am in awe of it because, you know, I wonder is my is my relationship with Jesus that deep that that would be my first thought when I am faced with this sorrowful, life-changing circumstance like you? I mean, I'm just, I'm in awe. Like oh, yeah. I'm.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, you shouldn't be. I know you did not practice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think that's a
2: blessing when, and I know your parents, like you're raised by godly people, and they're telling you these things as you grow up about that. You know, God is your comforter. God is your supporter. God is your encourager. And he's going to be there. Things aren't always going to be perfect. And you hear these things when you're growing up Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, you know. But you don't have a context for it, you know. And then as you get older and you experience tough things, then that context begins to show itself Mm -hmm. and you, you know, figure out that life is not fair, you know. And that's okay, you know. I mean, it wasn't – I remember growing up – there's a Bible verse I was always really drawn to. I didn't even really know if I could understand why. I just always was drawn to it. It's Philippians 3.10. And it just says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, even being conformed into his death. And it sounds like a really dark Bible verse. But I just remember, like, as a teenager reading it and thinking, wow, like, to understand, like, the depth of what he went through. Like, I don't know if I could ever do that. I want to. But I don't know, you know. Yeah. If I can ever understand like what Christ went through for us and even when like what I've been through, it's nothing like that. But to think about how much worse he went through for people that hated him when he was for them. It's been eye opening for sure. Because I feel like I have had suffering and I've had sorrow. But I've also been so uplifted by my church family, by my family, by my friends, by people I don't even know. And to think all he did and to be treated the way he was. I don't know. It's hard to think about that. Mm -hmm. Because we're not worthy of
0: it. mm -hmm. It's kind of like Jennifer said. We don't, I mean, we know a story, but we don't fully know the details and the emotion, and, and I mean, that's an analogy, your story, and, and you know, like Jennifer said, she knew the story, but the, all, all the little things that go into it and, and and all that, and same with Jesus. We know what He did for us, but a lot of times we don't want to put ourselves in that thought of the pain and all the, the heartache that went into what He did for us, and We may know Lindy's story, but we don't... Man, that's terrible for Lindy, terrible for her family, but we don't want to put ourselves in the pain and heartache of of that story and get too deep.
3: And just like she said, we don't... Like going through something like you went through, we don't have that kind of context Mm -hmm. either. I mean, we know God's strength and we hear God's strength and how He works in our lives, but until something like that happens, we don't have that experience or context, so... I, I know that your family is grounded in their faith. And um, I know also that there were some, probably some dark times in Idaho and in mm. Atlanta as well. Just did your faith ever waver, mm. I guess, during I, that time?
2: I um, felt very, um, honestly, like when I was in the Shepherd Center, I think I felt very supported. You know, because I was in a place that that uh, hospital, they only do spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury. So it was in a very specialized place. And that, honestly, the care, the level of care they give, because I think the family that started it and they operate it comes from a place of understanding. They have a child that went through it. They really work hard to make sure every part of what you're going through is addressed. And it was. I mean, they've got you. They've got support classes for your family available to talk about all kinds of different things. They're just Their main thing is just we want to teach you your injury so that you can go home and you can live your life. and we're going to try to help you problem solve some things so you can like, have a running start, you know. Um, so when I was down there, I, I was overwhelmed at times, but I also had a lot of support around us. And um, I have little posters on the wall. There was a lot of Joshua 1-9 on there about, you know, don't be afraid or discouraged You know, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You got to be strong. You got to be courageous. And I felt that, you know, I felt like we were trying to do that. There were some hard days where bad things happened, um, you know, just felt awful, you know, just like my body was. not took a long time to get used to just the way it was going to be, you know, um, my husband had, you know, so think had a lot of tough days, too. Just, I'm sure, just being completely overwhelmed with it. Um, but there was one night I remember just laying in the hospital bed in my room, and I realized I was happy. Wow. <laughs> and I just felt, like, comforted by the Lord. And I just remember thinking, wow. Like, that's so crazy. Like, I'm in this really terrible position. But I knew I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone in that room. I wasn't alone in the circumstance. And I just felt it. I think that was the first time in my life where I felt like my faith was really carrying me above the circumstance and it was a gift because i needed that in that moment um i think one thing i try to tell people is even in the sorrowful times you have to let your faith be tenacious it has to be tenacious you have to just push through and don't let fear overwhelm you and don't let sorrow overwhelm you because they'll just drag you down. And it'll take people you you can take people down with you and not even realize it, you know? But I would say, Stefano, to answer your question a little more specifically, I think I struggled more the first year after I got home. Mm -hmm. When it got back to okay, now I'm not in the hospital, I don't have these Mm -hmm. nurses, I don't have these doctors, I don't have these therapists. I don't have the psychologist I can go talk to twice a week that you know to air out all my stuff. I've got to just figure it out, and that was hard. That first year was really hard.
0: That's something uh, I wanted to talk about: the transition from Atlanta back to Nashville, back to what was going to be your new mm-hmm. normal. What I mean, some of the details: what what you have to do to your house, or what yeah. kind of what kind of life adjustments did well, you have to?
2: Well, luckily, um, we had a lot of support. Um, A lot of family members, they came in and and, uh, redid our bathroom to have a roll-in shower for a wheelchair, Um, laid some hardwood down in the bedroom so we didn't have carpet in there, Um, built a ramp on the back of the house, just some great things, just good godly people in our community and our family. That It was ready when I got home. Um, So all of that was there. We had a really cool experience um, with um, some fundraising that just kind of fell into our lap. Um, everybody knows who Thomas Rhett is now. At the time, he was just kind of like up and coming. And they did a benefit concert at our old high school at Davidson <laughs> Academy. A friend of mine, a good friend of ours on the trip, um, her cousin is married to Thomas Rhett. And so um, she had been on the trip with us, uh, my friend Carly. And after we got back, you know, uh, she had been talking with her dad and her family. And they came up with this idea, let's do a benefit Thing and maybe we can, you know, ask Thomas Redd if he'll come sing at it. So he did. He came. He brought his dad and some of the other songwriters he works with, and he did this great concert. And I think I, when I was there, I realized he might be something big because there were people coming to that concert. They didn't know me.
1: <laughs> they weren't there because it was like you know,
2: I'm coming to support. It was like I'm coming to see Thomas Ray. He's playing at this high school. So let's go. So, um, about six months later, that first. Um, big single that he had came out and the rest is just history i mean now he's just like one of the biggest people in country music but that just kind of fell into place and so that helped uh also raise some good money for us to buy some medical things that we needed and get a good start um and that was you know just kind of like that first summer home after we got back was just a lot of uh trying to figure some stuff out and that went on for about i would say about a year just so many new things and Barron was still really little and just what level of support we needed. And for a while it was like, we just had people staying with us at night too. Cause we just were scared to be honest, yeah. like about living outside of the hospital and, um, trying to keep me well. I got sick a lot when I first got home and, um, it was just not the best times to tell the truth, but, um, we learned a lot, you know, and, uh, We have great family support from all of our parents and our siblings and um, that coupled with great, you know, community support from our church families and good friends, people we didn't even know that knew someone we knew that heard about what happened would just like send me a card in the mail or be like, God told me to, you know, just send you this money if you need something or buy something for your kid. I mean, it was just like crazy. People are just like, if you need something for your therapy, just use this money for this. And so honestly, like that coupled with my husband's boss being so wonderful and so generous about staying and being faithful to let him keep his job, we never really financially struggled through it, which a lot of people when they go through a big medical thing, that's what comes. You know, it's just you can't keep up with the medical bills, you know.
0: Were you working before the accident? You had had a seven month old child at mm-hmm. the time of the accident, where you was working on a, before I have taken
2: a year off. I to like...
0: So when you come home and you're trying to adjust to this new normal, are you having discussions about going back to work or, uh, I mean, because finances were a blessing, you know, getting this stuff um, when you needed it the most, what what were kind of the discussions of what is our new normal going to be? Am I going to work? Am I right. going to stay home? How are we going to make life normal for us
2: the first couple years um i would say a lot of it was very therapy based with physical therapy doing a lot of that and that was more of uh the focus luckily you know my husband he was like i just want you to focus on that like let's just do that focus on that focus on baron you know and uh, the rest of the stuff you know we'll figure it out down the road um there was a time when i did really think about whether or not I wanted to go back or try to go back. Um, but around that same time, it was also, well, do we think we want to have another baby? Mm-hmm. Which was like a whole other thing. <laughs> I mean, if you would have told me a couple of weeks after my accident that I would even consider having another baby, I'd be like, you're nuts. Like, no. You know?
0: But I mean, you kind of have but, to move on, right? You can't, yeah. like you said, you can't stay in right. a, a, a yeah. pit of sorrow <laughs> for the rest of your right. life. You were, you know, 30 years old. You have a long and, life after that accident. Yeah.
2: That's what my husband always says, too. He's just, like, focus on the next thing. Like, it's probably going to be really hard, but it'll be worth it, you know. And so that's just kind of where we went with that. So we, uh, we decided we were going to try to have another baby. So luckily, through the process with my son, by the end of that, we kind of figured out some things that worked for us with our fertility doctor. And so we went back and... uh Pretty quickly, we were able to get pregnant that second time with my daughter.
0: I was going to ask, so yeah. three years to get pregnant the first time, mm-hmm. what was a rough time frame second?
2: I mean, um, we went back to see the fertility doctor, uh, talked to her. Um, she wanted me to do a, a few little things to kind of consider my injury, just so she had a little more information going in. And uh, we got that done in a couple months, went back, went through one fertility cycle and got pregnant. Uh, We actually, it was a little bit scary because my body had responded a little bit too strongly to the fertility drugs that time. So they were actually like, let's probably just skip this cycle. Well, we still ended up getting pregnant out of that cycle, kind of unplanned, but um, it, it was, that took a lot of faith too, because it was one of those things when you're like, positive test and you're like there could be six babies in there <gasps> but seriously there could be six <laughs> babies in there but you know i got fussed up from the fertility nurse when i called and and you know she's i told you you know and i said i did what you said i promise i you know we did what you said, and she said all right i'll schedule you just night and continue. day difference
0: like three years to <laughs> yeah instantly. it just changed yeah it three just changed. years to instantly yeah. so um
2: yeah that was a really interesting pregnancy because it was the first one carrying a baby in the wheelchair. And, uh, you know, being pregnant and being in this wheelchair was a different experience. I was sick for half that pregnancy. got a bad mm-hmm. infection and was on antibiotics for probably about four and a half months of it. I had to put a pick line in my arm and IV antibiotics, and it was just not fun. Mm. But we battled through it. We got her here. We didn't know what we were having. So we were, we were just like, first one we found out, second one we we're, we're not going to find out. My husband would really want to do that surprise thing. Then we got... You know, almost halfway through it. And he's like, well, we can find out if you want to know. I said, no, I'm committed. We're not going to find out. So we get in there and we find out when she's born that we had a girl. So that was exciting just to do that. And we already had a boy, so we had a girl. So we ended up naming her Fury. So she's Fury Cunningham, Fury Grace Cunningham. (laughs) So people always ask us where her name came from. And the short answer is we really like that movie Mad Max Fury Road. My husband really wanted to name her that's Furiosa. Not, that's not
1: okay. There's two not, I have always, always wondered, and that is nothing like. He wanted to name
2: her Furiosa, like Charlize Theron's character And I was like, oh
1: I just kept seeing in my head Furiosa,
2: cut Grace Cunningham on a wedding invitation. So, no, no, not, not doing it. No. But then I thought, well, I like Fury. I think that would be a cool name, and I think it meant, you know, it bore some significance for us too because we had to kind of battle through a lot to get to the point where we felt like we could have her. Mm -hmm. And then it was a really tough pregnancy. We battled through that. Then we had her. And, you know, I think a lot of times when bad things happen, people want to get angry at the Lord about it, you know, and you can do that, but you can also just get angry at the devil and go to battle with him, you know, put on your armor and just say, you're not taking this from me. And like, That's who she is to me. She's just kind of like a fist to the man, like, no. Like, God's on our side. We're having this baby. We're going to continue our family. And here she is. Her name's Fury, you know. And that is her personality, if you get to know her. She's just like a bolt of lightning.
0: How long from the time of the accident until you were pregnant with Fury?
2: Just about two and a half years.
0: Pretty, I mean, in my mind, that's that's pretty quick. That feels real fast to me. You know, that's... Well, with with months of therapy, uh, out of state and all this stuff and yeah. coming home to a new transition uh-huh. of, of what your new normal was. And then like, all right, let's keep going with the family. Like,
3: Lindy's a warrior. To
0: me, that's a fast process. She's a warrior. I, I credit Chad with
2: a lot. My husband, <laughs> though I do. And, and God really encouraged us. He did. I feel like he put a lot of things in front of us to encourage us in that direction. And, uh. I think Chad's thing is always he tells people when it comes to having kids, just if it's something you want, don't take no for an answer. You just gotta keep, gotta keep going. You know, keep on your journey. Do whatever you got to do. You figure the rest out. You will. God will help you. You know, He'll help you figure it out. And and God did with us. You know, we we were able to do that and and have her. And um, it's been a tremendous blessing.
1: Like I love that you're giving him uh, Chad a lot of the credit, but. At the end of the day, your body was carrying that baby. (laughs) Like, Chad's body was not going to grow, little Fury. You were going to do that. And I have a feeling that maybe not everybody in your life was on board with it, like, from the get-go.
2: I'm sure some people thought we were nuts.
1: Did you have any, like, any (laughs) of the, you know, doctors or anything try to discourage you from pursuing another baby um
2: honestly no and that was really encouraging mm-hmm. um you know because pregnancy is primarily hormone driven right and there wasn't anything you know that couldn't be handled with my hormones so mm-hmm. it was more of you know just like trying to keep me healthy enough to keep that baby you healthy. know growing and being mm-hmm. healthy so um you know that was I feel like a. This last baby that I had, my last um, pregnancy, he's almost a year and a half old now, Bowie. We had him in March of 2022. Um,
0: Is is there a name, story as good as Fury? What movie?
2: (laughs) Oh, Bowie's named after David David Bowie. Bowie. Uh, I mean,
0: that's pretty calm, (laughs) relatively. Uh, So
2: what about Baron? Baron's named after a Tolkien character. Like I love the, this. You know who wrote Lord of the Rings and all that? It's a, a, not a not a Lord of the Rings character, but it's a character from another book called The Silmarillion.
1: That's so great. Yeah. I love it. So like, we got one so named after a book, unexpected, a musician, <laughs> and a movie. Yeah. You <laughs> so. covered
2: them
3: all. Yeah, You're covered covered everything.
2: People are always like your kids' names. I tell you what, and I'm like, I know
0: it's they are well <laughs> versed in the arts. All of them, all the arts.
2: But uh, Chad, I, I do give him a lot of credit. I mean, he really, he's always. We, I feel like. I try to be his hype man, and he tries to be mine. Like It's like, you got it. You can do it. Good. You're good. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah, we do. So, I mean, we may fall flat on our face sometimes, but, you know, I just got to keep keep pushing forward. And, you
0: know. I think that's every marriage, every relationship. Yes. We're all going to fall flat, flat on our yeah. face. You know. It's, For sure. It's physical limitations. What, what was, I mean, it's... I don't know what I don't know because I'm Mm. a guy and I don't have to carry children. Uh, That that probably sounded, I don't have to carry children. Anyway, I'm going to cut that out. I can't carry children. There we go. But what are the, (laughs) like, obviously it's different because you're in a wheelchair. How different was it? Like, can you explain it or was it just normal to you?
2: I mean, there's some things that are the same and there's a lot that's different. The main thing that's hard is as they get so much bigger, and you get, so much, you get so uncomfortable. You want mm-hmm. to stand up and you want to stretch out and you want yeah. to really move. And, yes. like, there's sitting just, like is not just, a lot of mm-mm. that. You're just sitting all the time. So um, luckily the last two that I had to carry since my injury were not as big as my firstborn was a really mm-hmm. big baby. Um, but these last two, like, I think Fury was, like, seven pounds. Bowie was, like, six pounds, four ounces. So they were smaller. You know, so it, it, they felt big in there. Gonna, but well, that's yeah. not tiny. They're not, you <laughs> know, yeah,
0: um, average or above.
2: You know, it was a blessing. You know, even though it was uncomfortable at times, it was a blessing and it was exciting. You know, I think even just the doctor's visits and stuff are different because I had to have someone help me transfer up onto the table, you know, to do that kind of thing. You know, so, so it involved a lot more about who can go with me. The doctor has to be somebody who can help me get on
1: and off, on and
2: off that table. Just stuff like that. Um, I would say that the the toughest one was definitely furious just because I got so sick and uh, a lot of that was due to my injury and it took a lot to just get me well enough that I could kind of get to a better place. And, you know, that last three and a half months in the pregnancy were, were okay, but that first part was really rough. So that's okay. I mean, a lot of people have rough pregnancies. I'm not the, certainly not the only one. So
0: this may be a funny question, but what's normal now? What are you doing? What what's going on? What's the next thing for Lindy and Chad and the Cunningham family?
2: It's you know always changes. I feel like there was a time when I was in the Shepherd Center and I was talking to um, the psychologist there about just some of the stuff with, I had going on with Baron and and I thought it was about my injury and she was like, it's not. This is about being a mom <laughs> because things are going to come up and they're going to be challenging because your baby's changing. They're growing. There's new things you got to figure out, and that's not about you being in church. It's just about mm-hmm. you're a first-time parent and you're you're figuring some things out and it's problem-solving all the time and they're little and you're new to this and, like, stuff. So I would say, like, a lot of it is somewhat similar to what most people go through. I mean, like, I have an 11-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a, um, a little one that's a year and a half old. And so it's hard because, like, the older ones are in school, but the little ones just little, you know. But we're, like dragging him to ball games and, you know, like <laughs> stuff. And we're trying to figure out the homework and trying to figure out how to get everybody where they need to go. And so it um, takes a lot of problem solving sometimes. And sometimes you just feel like you're not doing a very good job. Of it. <laughs> but you're trying really hard, you know. Yeah. So,
0: well, we're, we're all parents. We all have those. Yeah, I mean, it's I yeah. not, a lot not of so it's, glorious moments yeah, as parents.
2: You wonder at the end of the day, like, if did I fuss or did I encourage, you know, no. and like sometimes it's both, and sometimes you worry it's too much fussing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just try to do better the next day.
0: So, briefly, I'm interrupting my own question I All asked right. you. What's it like like disciplining a, a child? Because you can't chase them around, really, okay. in the same way that this is Jennifer May or <laughs> Fano or I. Well,
1: I don't chase them around, well, I don't know, yes, but yeah. I, was, I was really blessed. I
0: agree with that. You shouldn't, but, but you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean. Yeah. More like even on a, a toddler age where they're just on the go. Yes. yes.
2: So when I was at the Shepherd Center... There was a group of, there weren't as many females there as males. There was mainly primarily men there. Um, there were a few of us females. And uh, they had a few ladies that were former patients come in and talk to us. And one of them, she uh, she was a paraplegic, and she had like a 6-year-old and an 8-year-old. And uh, she'd been through really hard things. They had been in a car accident, and her husband had passed in the car mm-hmm. accident. She was left a paraplegic, and she mm-hmm. had these two young kids. Wow. And one of the things she really drilled home was, you've got to do put in the work to make sure your kids listen to you and get that in place before they realize they don't have to listen to you Mm because they'll figure that out. Mm -hmm. If you let them get old enough, they'll figure that out. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think with my son, a lot of it was getting him old enough, though, where you can get to the point where they understand that a lot of things are privileges and that if they do what they're supposed to do at school, then they can do the fun things they want to do at home. But if they don't do well at school and they have any trouble with their teacher or their little friends or if they're doing something they're not supposed to do at home, they don't get to do whatever the fun thing They don't get to have their iPad or they're not going to watch a movie that night. So a lot of it was like stuff like that with him and him understanding you know, that these are things we want you to enjoy. But you've got you've to gotta toe the line, you know. And so um, he caught on to that pretty quick. But it's hard because you can't really get there with them until they're about two and a half or three. I mean, you can put them in timeout and things like that. But it, that will only help you so much. But he wanted my son. He wants to watch that TV. He wants that <laughs> iPad. He wants those things. I mean, he just loves it. So... It was really powerful I think just finding whatever's powerful for your child and being upfront with them about I want you to get to enjoy this stuff but this is a privilege you know I think getting him to the point where he understood we would take it away you know mm-hmm. so he had to know if I said I was going to take it away that I would take it away yes. so when we got that kind of down that helped a lot cuz and even still with he's 11 he loves to play on his Nintendo Switch you know but if he does something he's not supposed to do. That's, like, the first thing he's going to lose, and he hates that. So, um, you know, I grew up – I got a lot of spankings when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And I've told those kids many times, you are so lucky. <laughs> like, I cannot spank you because I probably would spank you a lot. You
0: know, <laughs> <laughs> I probably
2: would. Um, but um,
0: Nothing I'm, not wrong propon-
2: with I'm not a proponent of, like, you know, getting out of control or anything like no. that. But no. um at the same time I think you've got to find a way to make sure that they know you mean business you know and that you're doing it to teach them something good about following rules and not just rules for the sake of following rules but you know when the rules are things like being respectful and being kind to your siblings and um, being responsible with your things and stuff like that so um, but yeah that is something sometimes I, I think about it myself I'm like I mean, I tell them to turn that TV off. I guess they could always just be like, no, and run away with the remote. <laughs> but they don't, yeah. you know, because I, I don't know if it just it's just going to
0: be, be worse done. if they do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, eventually, eventually, when they're
2: teenagers yeah, and stuff,
0: then I have to figure out something else out, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, if they run away with, it, you got to come back sometime. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's going to be no, worse no, if you run away. Eventually, they would back. be held so accountable we'll to having a,
2: yeah. a good spouse that backs you up yeah. you know and that is like you're you know you're not going to speak to your mom like that you know and you're going to do what she says you know that will be there with you and they're going to back you up on those things like they know it's they can't do the mommy daddy game where mm-hmm. you go to, with this person you get away with a lot more than you do with this person so um, being on the same page with that stuff does really help and some kids like my daughter she is just like a negotiator it's always like well, how about this and it's like no <laughs> How about we just do what Mama says? Well, you know, and it's just this constant
0: fury. Yes, fury. <laughs> she is. I always
2: tell us she is relentless. Like it's always, she's tweaking it. You know, she's tweaking that plan so getting it just like she wants it. So,
0: I'll let you finish up the first question I asked before I interrupted you. Uh, what's next for the Cunningham family? Oh, gosh, what what, what are you next? all doing?
2: I feel like we just moved last year, so it takes forever to get settled in a new place. So I feel like we're finally kind of gotten settled a little bit. So right now I feel like we're just trying to just kind of continue to settle into our home and, um, with our kids, just kind of like figuring out that routine with older and the younger. And also like we just started going to a church that we've been really enjoying earlier in this year. And so we've been enjoying getting to go there and, and growing there, and I'm excited about that for my kids also. Um, I think as they get older, there's a lot more pressure you feel as a parent to kind of not just get settled into your home and your family, like helping your children get settled into their faith and talking about hard things. And God knows these days there's a lot of hard things that come up (laughs) and they hear things at school, and it's hard to know what to say sometimes um, to toe that line, you know, of you want to... Teach them that, you know, we're not supposed to judge people, but also, like, we believe in Scripture, you know. Right. We uphold the things that God told us and and uh, the things that Jesus preached for us. So um, there's plenty there to deal with for anybody yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's trying to raise a, a family um, in, in, uh, in faith So and teach them about their own faith and how to pray and things like that. So, yeah. Um, my, my son is very straight line. He's like, I want to say the Lord's Prayer every night. Oh. Mom, I want to say the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> That's okay. what Jesus did. I know, and it's hard <laughs> to argue with it. I'm like, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I want you to say a free prayer. You Pray freely with, say thank you for the things you want. Mom, I want to say the Lord's Prayer. So I'm like, you know, I'm happy he knows it. I'm glad he wants to say it. But I also want him to feel, you know, free to pray. And my daughter's like, Prays like a Pentecostal. Just like, God, we know that you can do this. We know you can. Because you made the universe. You made the stars. You have all the power. We believe God. I mean, this is like, she's like six years old. She starts praying like this. That's great. So I'm happy for her. But uh, it's like two opposite ends of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. you know, so...
0: Sounds like Fury needs a camera crew to follow no, her. No, she does not <laughs> That's the <laughs> yes. last thing she needs. She'd love, it. Reality she'd love show. it. Really, she'd love
2: yeah. it too much. Oh, Star She'd love it too much. She's a mess.
0: So we end every episode with a Bible verse. You know that if you're a fan of the show. If you're not a fan of the show, what's wrong with you? You know, jump on the bandwagon. But uh, today, Lindy has agreed. She's gonna she's gonna send us home with a Bible verse. This is
2: um when the people ask me to share my story, I was in with this because it just helps me when I read this. When I don't know what to pray, I just read over this, and it helps me. Um, it's from Ephesians three, and it's it's actually several verses. It's um, verses fourteen through twenty, and it's called the prayer for spiritual power. It says, "For this reason, I know. I, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named." I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the width and the height and the depth, and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in you, to him be all the glory in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think that power is there. We just got to ask for it, you know? Because he did the work for us.
0: No better way to wrap it up than that right there. And I'm, you know, you may struggle sometimes with knowing what to pray. Sounds like Fury's got it all figured out though. She, <laughs> you know, if you ever get stuck, just look to her. She'll say, "I got you, mom." Yeah, she
2: sounds just like her. Yep.
0: But Lindy, thanks so much for coming on, sharing your Thank story, you. Thank and it's you guys. a very powerful story and mm-hmm. um, you know, emotional, but that just means it's it's important. So, thanks for coming on.
2: I actually didn't like fully cry, which is hard for me sometimes. It's yep. yeah. it's hard to talk about.
0: Emotions are not a bad thing. No, mm-hmm. Guy, Guys sometimes struggle with that. But, you know, speaking from experience, emotions aren't bad. They're, they're okay. Bono, you got anything to add on that? No. All just right.
3: your strength and inspiration and just, like Jennifer was saying, I'm just in awe of just God working through you and your faith and just as it's, it's an example of how we all should be. So thank you for sharing.
0: Thank you, Fano. Well, that's it. We're going to sit around and cry when we turn the cameras off. No, but, uh, no we're not. No, we, we're, we're not
2: going to cry. No more crying.
0: We're, we're glad that you all were with us. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to the after show. This is where the subscription model comes in because you're about to miss the good <laughs> stuff. But come back next week. We'll have some more good stuff for you. We love you. God loves you more. See you then. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to GPS to God. Make sure you leave
3: a rating or review on whichever app you happen to use. Also find us on YouTube
0: and be sure to subscribe to our channel.